Hello and welcome to another episode of The Long Finish. I am your host, Tug Coker, and I'm here as always with my wife and co-host, Catherine Weil Coker. How are you doing tonight, Catherine? I'm doing great. How are you? Really good. Thank you. Made it through another weekend. Making it through this wild and crazy summer. Taping this on Sunday night. It's episode 110 of The Long Finish. 1010. It's episode 110 of The Long Finish. <laughs> I think it's a military way of saying it. You say mm-hmm. you say 1010 in the military. Right. I, I know that. That's what Other, the, sure. Listen, I grew up around Quantico, so I know that's how they say it. It's episode 110, and we are talking about more of your prognostication in the last couple of years. What is the hot thing? What is the thing? It's chillable reds. Chillable reds are hitting it right now. They are just flying off the by the glass lists everywhere. People are drinking that because as we've said so many times, there are more red drinkers than white drinkers out there. And when they discover that there is a red wine that can be cold in the hot summer, that's it. That's the answer. Got to have cold beverages in the hot summer. So what are we drinking tonight? Okay, get ready for this. Drum roll, please, on this pronunciation. Drum roll, (laughs) please. No, please please keep that. That really, really, I really enjoyed every moment of that. You got it. So what is the pronunciation of this wine tonight? (laughs) It's Le Vineron de Estezargue. This is the Carambui. It's Vin de France. 2022 beautiful and it's a co-op a cooperative a wine cooperative in the rhone valley in the village of estegare and i'm sure i'm not pronouncing that well but let me tell you it's extremely difficult to find someone saying that on youtube but what i did find was a wonderful silent walking tour of the village which was very meditative to watch and you know i felt like i was there so that was cool your mom could correct you on this a hundred percent, but she doesn't listen to all these episodes, okay, okay. Um, which is great because then I just, uh, you know, I don't have to worry that's, that I'm being judged. Fair enough. At least not by my mother. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> Plenty of the audience <laughs> listeners are judging. There are other judges yeah. out there, but not my mom. Just not your mom. <laughs> so we'll get into the wine in a moment. want to recap what's happening in our world. And let's just go off and start with what's going on at Esther's because I know you just came home. From a really fun wine tasting with a winemaker that we've talked about on this very show. Yes, it was James Sparks of Kings Carey Winery up in Santa Barbara, Santa Inez area. And he is a lovely guy. So friendly, so warm and welcoming. And really, you could see by the turnout, so many fans, so many friends in the wine business and not in the wine business. It was just, it it was a really fun and buzzy kind of tasting. Great to meet him because obviously I like the wines. We've been buying them for a while at Esther's. We did an episode about them on The Long Finish, episode 66 about the Semion. And he, he started listening to the podcast after that and was a very gracious listener, came to Esther's, did some shopping, I think bought some champagne, met Randall, our sommelier, and I was so happy to finally meet him today. What a lovely human. And he he did compliment you on the podcast. He he, le- he thinks you're funny. Thank, so. Hey, thank you, James. So, um, I needed that today. <laughs> no, I did, you so did. It's been a long weekend. I said, I well, that he'll appreciate hearing that after he's been 
at home with the three kids while I'm here enjoying this tasting and drinking rosé and chardonnay and hanging out with friends. So um, thank you. He also brought us. He also gave us a special preview, a special gift preview, because he knows that we love sparkling wine. And this is the first ever sparkling wine that he's making. I said, did you hire somebody to help you with the sparkling? He said, no, I did it all myself. And he's so humble. By hand, this was a sparkling Pinot Noir, organic grapes, native yeast fermentation, method champenoise. It says on the label, we opened this with our dinner tonight just to have a quick taste. Oh my gosh, it was delicious. We were just talking about American sparklers. What's great sparkling wine that you can get from California. Wow. So look out for that because it, I guess it's about to be released and then and then he has a white coming out in a couple months too. I really am excited to get those on the shelves at Esters and if you see them snap them up because these are so good. You mentioned the the uh, wine tasting being very popular today. Is it because he drove people to that thing or is it probably both well probably just, just people, people coming out. We, I heard it's been a nice week at Astro All because of that. For, those, for those of you not in the business of restaurants, like parts of LA have been pretty slow in July, frankly. People the are out of town, people are traveling, we're in, we're in strike July, mode. It's not good. Yeah, so it's been pretty quiet. So in the, the past week has seen a return of people to dining out to a certain degree, and this is a nice you know, feather in the cap on the week. It really was. The patio was absolutely full, and then lots of people around the tasting. Other wine people came out. Nathaniel Munoz, his wife, Kelly former employee at Esther's. Awesome. Mariana from next door at Casilla. She cool. was with Mary Thompson. That was fun to see her. A, a, a friend of mine named Wendy and uh, she was with another wine club person. There was another wine club person there. Book club person. Some lady who wants to join the book club. A lot, lot of people. It was you're really fun. You're doing some nice foreshadowing on the wine club because this wine that we're drinking in a few, we'll talk about in a few minutes, is the wine in the wine club for this month. Is that correct? That's right. This is the red in the Savvy Sipper package this month. And we thought it would be fun to maybe feature once a month, feature one of the wines that's in the club because a lot of the folks in the club, well, I put little tags on the wines that has the description of them. But you know, when we talk about a wine on the podcast, it's a little more in depth and it's just kind of a fun way. It's also always a wine that we're going to have in the store, which is what our wonderful manager, Daniel, keeps telling me, Catherine, please choose selections for your podcast that we have in stock (laughs) (laughs) so that people can buy them. Thank you to everyone for asking about the wines that we do on the podcast. And now we're going to do a better job of making sure we have more of those in stock. You can get them at Esther's. We tell about you every episode where you can get these wines. So stay tuned for that. But I want to give a shout out to James at King's Carry for coming in today, shouting me out. Thank you. I work hard. I'm working hard on these jokes and just making a fun week weekend afternoon at Esther's. It was lovely. Uh, before we go on to the wine, I, I have to tell the story. I have to get it on record. Oh, no. I have to do it. And I don't want to make this an episode about dirty diapers uh, again. We just did that. That's the subtitle of the long finish. Pretty much. Pretty much. But we had an episode that came up this week. I'm not going to name names, but our son... Our seven-year-old is in a golf camp in Santa Monica, and one of his good friends is also in the golf camp. And we invited the good friend to come home with us after the camp one day to hang out. And his dad would actually was just going to drop both of them off to hang out with us and go to the pool or whatever. 
And the friend got out of the car. We got the bags out of the car. And I noticed that his, his pants were wet. And I said to the dad, I said, why is your son's uh, pants wet? I thought maybe it was like from sweating in the sun. And his dad had not noticed this. And he said, I don't know. So we asked his son, why were his pants wet? And the reason I tell the story is not because of embarrassment or anything else. It was the way he said this. He said, oh, yeah, I, I pooped in my pants. And um, I tried to go to the bathroom at the golf course, but I just instead just let it slide out of my pants on the way to the bathroom. <laughs> Very nonchalant. Just, just nonchalant. Like This is like normal practice in life. Meanwhile, all the adults are just like jaw drop. What? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I just let it. I pooped in my pants and then I let it slide out of my shorts on the way to the bathroom at the golf course, right in front of the clubhouse. And our son said, oh, that was yours. <laughs> well, then the dad said, well, I guess I better go home and get some different clothes for this child. And he went back. He came back. We gave him some wipes for our two-year-old's yep. diaper collection. He tried to maybe... They tried to work it out, but it was too, realized too far gone. Way too far gone. Nope. No, they had to hose it down, so they left. Unbelievable. Thank goodness. And, I'm not, and I tell this again, not to embarrass the dad or the son, just almost like in awe of how blasé the kid was about what he did at the golf course. It was amazing. I, I'm just, you know, it's like, if we're talking about a golf clap, golf clap to that delivery of that act by the child. So, you know, for those of you out there who've already had your seven-year-olds and your kids are in high school and college, like just remembering these days of people learning to be people. This is what we're going through right now. So unbelievable story. I'll, I'll remember it. And I, I know one of our kids was like, what's the big deal? We're like, well, it, it's a big deal. I'm not going to tell him the fraternity brother that did basically the same thing at a fraternity party. Oh, help us. I don't want to know. Oh, I won't say it. No. Gosh. <laughs> what happens in Vegas? Well, this is in Charlottesville. Yeah, woof. Anyway, I promise this is the end of these stories. It won't but, be. But it's too good. It won't it be. It won't be. So stay with us. I hope you're enjoying your glass of wine. Just, enjoying just what hit the, that this forward, fast forward 10. Sophomoric humor. <laughs> but, you know, if you want to just empathize with what's going on in our life, the nice cold glass of wine, let's get this glass and this bottle of wine in your hand. I'm excited to talk about this wine because wine is delicious. I'm going to say this preemptively. This wine is a great choice for the wine club, Catherine, because this wine is delicious. It's perfect. It's a hot night here. And You're this sweating. Is We're so sweating refreshing. inside the house. We don't it's have AC really, on. It's really refreshing. So this is the Le Vigneron de Estegare, uh, the Carambui, Vende de France 2022. And now this is a blend of Cinso, Grenache, and Cunois. All grape varieties that you find in the Rhone Valley and all red grape varieties, very common in blends. And on the label, it also says rolled pebbles and clay soil. Well, that makes a lot of sense because this is just a stone's throw from Avignon, or I think maybe 20 miles. So not a, a big stone, a big throw. <laughs> Uh, a little airplane jolt. I don't know. A big stone is hard to throw. Yeah, especially 20 miles. Yeah. <laughs> What's that movie where the guy, where the uncle's like, I'm going to throw this football over that mountain? That would be Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, that was really funny. Anyway, I'm going to throw this pebble over to Avignon. Um, <laughs> and it's aged six months in concrete tank. And this is import imported by our dear friends at Garber & Co. in Topanga, California. So Jeremy Meyer and 
His mother, Sandy Garber, thank you so much for this lovely wine. It's also got such a cute label. Jeremy, who we see every Saturday because our sons are in a recreational basketball league. Yes. Different, and also he gives teams. out he gives out these great sweatshirts and t-shirts that have his company logo on it that I wear all the time. I'm always promoting by default because they're my only sweatshirts. So the label of this wine, Karambui, really cute letters and all different colors. And then there's just a bunch of words, some in French, like honest, bien, glue, glue. And this is well, this wine is very glue, glue. glue. Super glue, glue. Super glue glue. Glue glue we've talked about before kind of means glug glug It's in French. You know, it's like how you would drink the wine and the sound going down and... Just drinkable. Drinkable. Chug chug. It also says on the front, gender fluid, no filter, zin zin, caribou, grenadine for adults, all kinds of different words. The red kiss. Yeah, it's just a bunch of words in different colors. And it's non-filtered, also native yeast fermentation, and organic. I just want to say I'm excited to show this one on Instagram because I think the, the label is almost like imprinted onto the bottle. It's just done in a really cool way. It's, like it's got the, the, letter, the lettering is super colorful. It's vibrant. It's clear. It also shows off the color of the wine yeah. really well. So I'm excited to post this on Instagram. Your eyes will pop towards it when you would see it in the retail shop too i think it's such a big deal right now like when an, when a wine pops on the shelf looks good on instagram and is delicious that's the triple whammy you know i mean this is beautiful because like you said those letters are colorful but it's also not so frou-frou that you are like oh that wine is just fluff but the way that the light is shining through and making the top part of the wine look darker and then the very bottom looks like such a pretty magenta red which is more like the color in the glass like you can see through it i can see my ring it feels like a really dark rosé Almost. It's very sad to me that when you say magenta, the first thing I think of is Blue's, Blue's Clues. Blue's Clues. Blue's Clues and you. That's correct. What a great word, though. And and color, magenta. I love it. Is magenta and garnet different? I think they are. Okay. You don't? I, I don't know. I just I know garnet. I'm a January birthday, so that's my Oh. Well, month. garnet is a stone, and I think yeah. magenta is more like of a color, because yeah. it's not a stone. But garnet Makes could sense. be a color, but it is also a stone. Yeah. I'm going to delete all that. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I liked it. And tasting, it's like strawberry, red cherry, currant, but it's got this back end that's a little bit, there's something else. There's, maybe it's like a, a little earthiness to it, like a little, there's a slight floral element, but not crazy floral, like wet earth, a minerality. But it's all very subtle. What you really get is that kind of like cherry popsicle thing. <laughs> and we've had a lot of those recently. Every day. Just like candy, but not sweet. Anything we can learn about the winemakers themselves? Yeah. The neat thing about this, and it is really special, is that this comes from a co-op, a cooperative, which are very common in France. So basically, it's a group of wine growers that get together together. They have a winery and all the farmers bring their wines to the winery. They hire a winemaker or one of them is the winemaker and then they sell the wine together. The great part of that is it really works in places where the wines are not super expensive. And so 
you know, you can't sell your wine for a lot. So you're working with your neighbors and you can share costs and of marketing, of making the wine, all the things. The downside is, you know, you don't know exactly what the farming is that your neighbors are doing. You might be have different practices and yet you're all pulling it together. So co-ops kind of have not maybe a great reputation in fine wine because there's less control from grape to glass from one person. However, this is a really unique um, co-op and it started in the 60s, but in the 80s, it was led by Jean-Francois Nick, who really focused on natural wines. They converted the majority of the vineyards to certified organic and then the rest were sustainable and are now working towards certification, but they did not use any chemicals. The wines were had no additives, native yeast fermentation, no fining, no filtering, and very little sulfur. So since the 80s, it's been focused this way. And there are only 12 growers and the head winemaker and CEO is a woman named Armel Ruo. So they vinify some of the plots separately. So they do have separate terroir and are focused on that. This is not, this is from a bunch of different vines, but this is from 25 year old vines throughout the um, land and they have 55 hectares. So it's quite a large region. This is, as I said, Senso, Grenache, Cunois, so all grapes that are native to the Rhone Valley. And since so, you see also in a lot of Provençals, rosés, it's kind of what brings that red currant, maybe a little bit of the floral character, cherry, and it's always dry, medium light body, low tannin, medium acid. Grenache, we know that's all about strawberries, but again, lower tannin, that brings a little bit more of the alcohol because you'd be surprised on this wine that it's, 13.5% alcohol. It packs a punch, which is kind of medium. You know, it's not high, but it's not super low either. Just following on the the co-op idea, you're able to control what grapes you're using, right? It's just not the facility itself. You're saying that, like, we know these grapes are organic. Uh, Is this co-op agreeing that all grapes being used there are organic? Or how do you... Can you explain that a little bit more? Yeah, so basically all 12 growers they're under the same agreement with each other. They have an understanding like we are going to grow grapes in this way. And again, 75% of their land has been certified. The rest is in conversion and soon will be certified. So they're all in agreement of what's going on. They also all want to agree in how the wine is made. So some co-ops are bigger. You know, this only has 12 people. They have it pretty controlled. But, you know, you and I visited a co-op in Champaign. Yeah, I was thinking about that one. When we were there in 2014, and that was wonderful. But I, she was very in control of her farming, but she didn't talk about the farming of the other folks that were part of the same yeah, co-op. Yeah, that's interesting, yeah. And she was then bottling her wine, but she didn't know, it wasn't just her grapes. It was, you know, everything they were bringing in together. So there's a lack of control. I think you really have to be a part of the right co-op or depending on, you know, what your end goal is. Do we see a lot of co-op use in the United States? No. Now, we do have a lot of shared winery space. You know, people definitely share facilities, but there's not a lot of co-ops. You'll see this in Alto Adige, Val d'Aost. Those are like mountainous regions in Italy. See it in 
Languedoc, Roussillon, or sometimes the Loire, but mostly in southern France, you'll see it. And then other countries as well. You know, it, it does make a lot of sense. But again, it's often in places where there's less expensive wine. It's not a super fine wine thing to do because there's less control. You talk about this wine being less expensive. I mean, we find this to be an affordable, chillable red for people to go out and grab Definitely. and enjoy parties. Definitely. This is affordable. This is what you want to bring to share with friends. It's just easy, delicious. You're not breaking the bank. It's something new. Looks great. You look cool when you yeah, bring it to a party. Yeah, absolutely. What are we eating and pairing with this one? I, I don't even know what you're not pairing. Now, I put for the wine club that the pairing would be spicy lamb meatballs because I think this would be great with anything spicy, but also anything off the grill. I'd have this with a burger or, or hot dog outside. I would have it on its own. It's perfectly delicious now. I think it'd be great with any kind of poultry, roast chicken or turkey. This would be an awesome Thanksgiving wine, even though we're in the heat of July, because it doesn't have a lot of tannin. It's juicy, kind of could pair with a lot of different things. So it's it's quite versatile. Only thing I wouldn't pair it with is, you know, sweet stuff. It's not going to go well. Artichoke. No, not artichoke and not the not the ice cream, you know, yeah. I don't know. But otherwise, I think you'd, you'd pretty be safe bringing this. Where are we getting this wine? Well, definitely at Esther's, of course. And I've seen a few other places that have it. So this particular wine is imported, as I said, by Garber & Co. in California. But in New York and on the East Coast, it's I'm not sure if this wine, but other wines from this producer are imported by Jenny and Francois another great natural wine importer. So you could look for that on the back label as well. Now, probably going to find that in a small wine shop or a natural wine focused wine shop. Again, that's most of the wines that we have on this program, but we do this program here, but we do have PBS now. Yeah, we did have an idea to, to explore some mainstream options in the future, which we, which we might do. But this is a small wine shop kind of wine. It's really got a lot to it because even though it doesn't have tannin, it has a nice finish that kind of sits on the edge of your tongue with a little bit of bitterness and lingers there. So even though it is glue-glue, it doesn't feel like juice. That's a delicious wine. Although we do talk about wines that we, you can get at Esther's, we try to tell you where, where else you can get them. You can get them, you know, if we let, try to let you know where we, you can find these wines because we want everyone to be thoughtful about the wine that you drink in your life. Do want to take one quick second just to talk, have you talk about the wine club since this is the wine of the month. Any thoughts on how you're putting the wine club together? What's your passion for that wine club, etc.? I love the wine club. First of all, it's connected me to so many people who love wine in the way I do that they want to try new things every month. And they love esters. So it's people that want to get together once a month and eat a little cheese and have new wine. But what you get with the club to take home are two new bottles of wine. And there are three levels of the club, savvy sipper, adventurer, collector. You get a white and a red, usually, occasionally I do rosé or bubbly or something. Most part, white and a red. And there's a new theme every month. So this theme for this month was summer, summer, summer. What am I drinking in the summer? Last month was what pairs with seafood. Some months we've done female winemakers. 
We've done focus on biodynamic farming. We've done a special region, maybe like Rioja or different regions in France, the Loire Valley, or island wines. Always there's some kind of fun theme or wines with ugly labels. I did that one one time, which was fun. But it's a way to explore new wines. And I know that so many wineries have wine clubs that you can, you go to their tasting room, you love the wines and you join the club. And that's so great because then you get those in the mail and it reminds you of your experience there and then how much you love the wines. But our wine club at Esther's is about trying new things, which is what I love and preach all the time. And so if that's what you want to be introduced to new grapes, new regions, new wines that you wouldn't pick out for yourself, this is really fun. And with those, you get a little tag that tells the story of the wine, the grapes, where it's from, the farming practices, the winemaking practices, what it pairs with, and an email with all that same information and a few pictures. That was unplanned, by the way, improv- improvisational. Did not ask you to plug no. the wine club, but I know it's something you're passionate about. You've been doing it for a long time. I've really made cool. such nice friends in that club, and I really enjoy seeing the people every single month. And I love picking the wines and writing the descriptions. And yeah, so and and, and I always, whenever I'm picking the wines, have people in mind. Oh well, I don't know. Will Perry like that? I don't. I'm not sure. This is up his alley, you know. So if you have questions about j- maybe joining the wine, go club, to the website. That's go, where we sign it up. Go to the website. Esterswineshop.com. DM us on Instagram. You can do it for yourself. You can do it for a friend. Yeah, you can join month to month. You can do it for, let's just buy it all at once, three months, six months, one year, whatever. I will say there's a lot of people out of town. I went to Esther's on Saturday. I noticed there's a bunch of bottles, some packages for wine club that need to be uh, shipped out to people. So, you know, when you get back in town, wine club members, grab your wine. You know, Or I'm going to drink yeah, it. Exactly. We're taking it home. All right, let's get to the last portion of the evening, which is what has been inspiring us this week. I will go first. We talked about going to Oxnard in the last episode, um, we and we talked about vacationing with some friends for the first time. I want to shout out the male component of that uh, group of friends. The male component. That's right. I want to be very uh, specific. Rory Collins. We had a great hang. We, we, he's a lover of music, as am I. We were sort of sharing music that we've been into over the past few years since we saw each other. And I recommended a song from a band called The Cry. That's a band from San Diego. You wouldn't think it because they, they sing with almost a, a English dialect. It's, it's you, you wouldn't be able to place San Diego in their in their music. The song in, in, of import for me is "Alone" by The Cry, and he was really into it as well. And they only made one album and one EP in 1990. And there are some rumblings about making, and it was a pretty popular underground album. Fast forward to um, last night. I come home. There is a package for me. And I open the package, and it is a vinyl album of The Cries, a 1990 album, which is Beautiful Reasons. And I just think that is so cool. I, I was just so inspired by that. And I just think, you know, you talk about your, your Aunt Amy being a great gift giver. I just think it's very cool, very special, very thoughtful people. When you have a conversation with someone, and then a week or two later, they send you something that sort of just resonates like from that conversation. Wow. I think that is so, so cool. I hope all of you have friends in your life that do that for you. And I think th- I need to do that more. I'm on strike right now, so all my friends, I'm, you know, I can't can't do it at the moment, but uh, you know, when the, when the strikes are ending, you can send those coupons. I'll send coupons. I'll send you all some coupons, some IOUs. Right. When the strike ends, you will be getting a vinyl record. But that was I just thought that was so thoughtful 
and cool and it's always great to connect with people to talk about music that you like or music that they, they like and then to you know get a, a, an album in the mail is really really cool so shout out to my friend rory thank you for that and check out this band the cry the song i love is alone excited to hear more of the whole album in detail and it came out in 1990 a band from uh, San Diego, and they're hoping to make more music now. So check them out. Catherine, what do you have? Well, I've really been craving a movie night with my favorite movie, but I just haven't had time. My favorite movie being When Harry Met Sally. Oppenheimer. What? <laughs> no. Hi. I don't I'm not up with the ages now, but When Harry Met Sally came out a million years ago, and I've loved it ever since, and I've seen it a million times, and I've just been wanting to watch it, but I haven't had time, and so... I thought maybe instead I would listen to Nora Ephron, her book. So I'd never read Heartburn. I know that's a movie too. But I started listening to the audio version of this book, which is read by the amazing Meryl Streep. And let me tell you, it is a joy. It is so fun to get in the car and listen to Meryl Streep read Nora Ephron. Do yourself a favor if you'd like some humor and joy in your afternoon and uh, listen to that on on audio. Have you seen Barbie yet? No. Have you seen Oppenheimer yet? Your favorite movie? No. How, has everyone seen Barbenheimer? Did anyone Barbenheim out there? I talked to some people today who did. Tom, uh, a longtime friend of ours, did the 6 a.m. IMAX screening on Saturday morning. Of both? Just of Oppenheimer. It's oh. three hours. But 6 a.m. And he said it was packed. Wow. So I hope everyone's enjoying. People ask me this um, on my Instagram account. Do I go to these movies? Do I support the movies while the strike is happening? Am I crossing a picket line? The answer is no. Go see these movies. We want people to see the work that people create so that we will stay in demand. I mean, go see and celebrate what artists are putting together. So just want to tack that on to the end of the episode and say that's it. That's it for episode 1010. Episode 110 of The Long Finishes in the Books. Thank you to everyone for continuing to listen to the show. We're heading into August with more episodes, so stay tuned for that. want to make sure that you all have enough cold wine stocked in your fridge to beat this heat. Beat the heat. Catherine, where can they find you and The Long Finish on social media? You can find me on Instagram at Catherine Wild Coker and The Long Finish there too at The Long Finish. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Tug Coker. We'll see you next week for a new episode. Until then, be happy, be healthy, and happy drinking. Ciao.